Howdy, howdy, and welcome to my bloody Judy with your final forgets, myself, Zachary Patton Garcia. And Ian Carlos Crawford. And our camper for today is... Michael Verratti. Hello, Michael. It's so nice to have you here. Michael, I feel like we've recorded many a podcast together. Uh, we have. I was kind of thinking about it today. I think that uh, recurring guest spots on shows hosted by you is one of like my side gigs at this point. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I'm super stoked yeah. to have you here. Um, we... I don't know. I like I like people who are into horror, and you seem like very into horror. Um, Michael I, is like the horror, the the horror person on encyclopedia. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember when we had Misha Osharovich on from Freaky. They were like, "Oh, do you know Michael Verratti?" And I was like, "Oh my god, I love Michael Verratti." And then we like, yeah. and it was like, "Oh, everyone who's <laughs> remotely into horror and queer and exists online knows you, Michael." <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, hopefully I can live up to that in this episode. Um, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to chat about this movie uh, and chat with you guys. So, yeah. Let's Zach, do you want to tell what... everyone what we're talking about? Yeah, we're going to be doing um, The Strangers Pray at Night. This is the second Strangers movie. Uh, I don't know Which why is... we didn't just start with the first. but we... You know, I was thinking that before we did this recording. <laughs> I was like, wait, was there a reason we didn't do just the first? Because we were... For our camp theme that we didn't quite land, we were going for things that take place on like campgrounds or whatever. Um, and the first one also takes place like, I mean, like a cabin in the woods, right? So we don't know the like, first one. Yeah, it's like a, they have like a decent sized plot of land, but it's still like a residential like area, right? But so I don't um, even think, did we say Strangers Pray? No, we did. Okay. So I, I had not seen this one though. I just, Zach and I just watched it actually before recording we finished like 30 minutes before recording uh i had only seen the first one like once or twice i didn't like fully remember it um but i i enjoyed this for what it's worth um they're kind of very different which i i I like actually i like that they made an aesthetic switch up for the sequel Yeah. yeah um oh zach sorry no, 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 no. I completely agree with that. I think we we were even talking about it while we were watching it, Ian, um, uh, that the first one is just so real. Like, there's, like, everything in it could happen, right? But whereas, like, this one, you know, you have the moments of, like, you know, he's on fire and he's still coming after her and stuff like that. It's very, like, you know, slasher fair. But, like, first one was so realistic and grounded in reality um, that I'm glad they didn't, because I love the first one. I love it. But, like... It's also very mundane and very slow and, like, it takes its time, you know. Um, And I think just to copy and paste that again, I don't know if it would have worked in that way. And I feel like – because this was in development for a while, right? This movie had been in development since the first one came out, and I think that's kind of where they were leaning originally. And then I'm glad we kind of ended up getting what we got because it feels different. Well, I think that for me, the first movie is one of those kind of genre defining movies, you know, like every so often a movie comes along that then everyone wants to emulate because it it strikes a certain tone. Mm -hmm. It uh, it speaks to a certain moment. And to try and go back to that well, especially after all this time had passed, probably wouldn't have worked. So Mm -hmm. whereas The Strangers is, is... genre defining i would say that strangers pray at night is very genre reverent because a lot of this movie is uh there's a lot of moments that pay homage to 
slasher movie moments. You talk about like, you know, the killer, the the baghead man getting out of the car and he's on fire and he collapses in front of her. That is a visual cue to the end of Halloween too, you know? Yeah. And there's a bunch of those throughout this movie um, whereas the first one did not really re lean into reference at all. This one's like, we're a slasher movie and we want you to know. So come along and join yeah, us yeah. in this, this pool party of the damned, you know? Absolutely. That first one really was taking like the concept of like a home invasion, right? Something that could happen to your neighbor or yourself. Um, and really going into that without like overly explaining like a backstory or anything. Um, and this one, you know, it, it's just it's a colorful slasher film. It is like, you know, that tip of the hat to, uh, I think, I think the director said that he was wanting to make a John Carpenter film is what it was. Um, and yeah, I, I do think, I just think it worked. Um, to me, these like in my head canon, um, these killers in strangers pray at night are not the same as the original. These are copycat killers for me. I feel like they, the way they're kind of, portrayed and like i think they're even different actors is what you said ian right yeah i like them up yeah the way they're portrayed how they kind of act is like it's it's totally different than the first movie and they are even a little bit more i don't know about sadistic but more in your face about what they're doing to you than in the first one whereas the first one we don't really get much from them until the very end <clears throat> you know there's just few lines that we get from them in, in the original so um I like to separate it like that, and I like to have the original one just be like a one-off incident that maybe three crazy people did. You know, um, I guess you mentioning, one of you just mentioned that the sequel was in development, like, since the first one, like, did well. And I read an article that said that originally the original script opened with Liv Tyler getting murdered. Yes. Like, it was originally her character, but then they felt it had been, like, 10 years, and it just, like... And she even said, like, in an interview, she was willing to do it. They just never, like, got back to her about it. And then they cut mm -hmm. it from the movie. I'm glad they didn't put that in the movie because for me, like, and I love a, like, cameo of, like, bringing back the final girl. But, like, I, I really don't think it mattered here. Like, it really. Yeah. Um, And it would have, like, been weird pacing for the movie because it would have been, like, how does that. Yeah. Other than, like, ooh, these people killed. Like, other than that. And I, I will say I'm a big opposite fan of i fucking hate bringing back a final girl for like her to die in five minutes like i just leave her be is how oh, i feel i never like that i don't think it's a good choice uh mm -hmm. i mean i understand that if, if eventually the law of averages if you keep running into the same killer you probably aren't going to make it out but make it meaningful like yeah. i don't need every character to live but you know if you're going to survive a night at camp crystal lake do right by that person right you know, yeah. right just do right by them that's all yeah. <laughs> like let them just survive let them just right or yeah. like make it a cool fucking like uh, they go out saving someone or some shit but like not like well, well something's I, gonna happen right we're, we're right. coming up on scream five and those odds are there ian i know <laughs> i'm so there. upset <laughs> but i think you know it, it's it is it's all in in the execution pun intended i suppose of how you deal with the character because if and spoiler alert for people who have not <laughs> seen the, this movie that i'm about to reference that came out like almost 40 years ago um but in Nightmare 2, uh, Nightmare 3 when we bring Nancy back if Nancy had died at the beginning of the movie that would have been disappointing yeah. But Nancy's given a hero's journey throughout the movie that when she and Freddie do have that kind of final con 
that final confrontation at the end and what happens happens it's it's sad because we love her as a character but it's sort of earned by the story and her her progress i mean i of course would have liked to have seen nancy live but um it's a lot different than if she was like the opening credits kill i would have been like well what's the point why did you do that that's not you know you are the second person the second guest we've had today to bring up nightmare three also it is just it is just a fan beloved favorite didn't it um i don't know what what about this movie what 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 do you think about this movie what were what were your uh initial thoughts when you first watched it and what are you thinking now uh well i rewatched the movie last night in preparation for this and what i really uh am taken by is is how brisk it is and i say that actually as as a compliment like this movie knows what it is and it gets into it pretty fast you get enough character set up that you care about these people but there's not a lot of meandering um, you know, they get to the, this KOA trailer campground situation relatively right. fast, and uh, then shit hits the fan. Um, I think that this is a good, like, adrenaline movie. You, uh, you know they're headed to danger, and once danger hits, we don't really spend much more time worrying about boarding school or who's the favorite kid or all of these things that <laughs> right. are kind of introduced in the first act just so we kind of get a sense of who these people are. Um, and that either works or it doesn't. I think that sometimes when you see a slasher movie that's literally just set up, kill, set up, kill, set up, kill, it, it it's not great. But somehow this movie walks that balance well that I was entertained and engaged to the end. I also think this movie has amazing set pieces, specifically the pool at the uh, at the end. I could watch yeah. that sequence like over and over again. Just like also the brilliant use of Total Eclipse of the Heart in that sequence. Um, but in the trailer, it was Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. Okay. I thought so. I thought it was. And I apologize, yeah, yeah. Ian. I told I, him it was coming. I I just in my head, I think it's because of the trailer that I thought that was going to play. Because, Michael, when we were, so. I was like, excuse me, Zachary, yeah. we have had two people turn on radios <laughs> so far. And not one time has I Think yeah. We're Alone now played. And the trailer was all that. And he was like, oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. And then it didn't fucking come up. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you about that pool scene, though. Like, I, yeah. Zach and I will watch the movies together, but we'll mute each other. And I unmuted to be like, this scene is fucking awesome. Like, I love it this scene. It is really good. It is like a standout slasher in general scene oh, yeah. right it's one that you remember you remember the colors you remember you know and it's also like it's one of those scenes that should be like in slow motion right but the fact that they didn't do that it's it, and they didn't it's need more to. brutal no it didn't need to but like you know um if you wanted to pull out all the stops for it it would have been like yeah but it's just so much more brutal that he just yeah he he never had a chance of even getting out of that pool yeah. um, no it's it's yeah. I think they do really good stuff like this, and 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 so these characters, when we're setting them up, I think you hit it on the head. Is that you know we do get their setup really quickly. You know maybe like a little bit of their drive. Then they get to the trailer park, and it's like immediately when they get in that trailer and start looking around, they get that first knock on the door. You know, yeah. right? Um, so. Our final girl, what's her name? Kinsey? Kinsey. Kinsey, yeah. I didn't care about her. I didn't like her. I didn't think she was all that great um, until she starts fighting. You know, when she started when, when she started coming into that role as a final girl and doing what needed to be done, um, I, by the end of it, I was, I was all Team Kinsey, you know? I think, so we, we uh, recorded for the Friday the 13th reboot earlier, and that movie... 
the character i don't if you would call it character work that it's trying to do of like showing us these like friends that kind of hate each other like getting drunk around the house like those scenes completely stalled the movie for me and it was like this is doing nothing just fucking kill them or don't but this movie i thought like that setup is maybe 10 minutes, right? Like maybe it's 15 minutes before that girl's knocking on the door and you know who it is. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that it did enough. Like you said, Michael, it did tell you what you needed to know about the family, but none of that really, it wasn't like setting it up for the daughter to betray the mother. It, no, it's just like telling you who the family is. And here we go. Now they're going to get murdered. Like, yeah. Well, what I think is significant about the setup and uh, I'm sure people who have listened to me talk about horror movies and other shows or whatever have heard me kind of rattle on about this before. So I apologize to frequent listeners. Um, but you know, horror is by definition, a genre of otherness. And usually when we talk about otherness, we you apply it, to the monsters, you know, like to right. Frankenstein monster, or the creature from the Black Lagoon, Jason, Freddy, whatever. But final girls usually are other two. And you see it like, for example, in Halloween, Lori is kind of on the outside of the popular girls. She wants what those other two girls have, like Ginny and Alice and the Friday movies are like, they're kind of part of it, but they're not like, they're not sneaking around like some of the other counselors and things where they have, they have something that sets them apart. And this movie really just kind of lays that bare. You know, Kinsey is a rebel. She's on the outside of her family. She doesn't quite fit in. She's trying to find the place where she fits in. And then, so she's she's already a person apart. And then when these killers show up, they literally separate her from everybody right. else. <laughs> so it is this sort of otherness that she has to then turn around and and help her survive the night and i i kind of sometimes would roll my eyes at like such blatant symbolism like she's the outsider but she's the outsider whose outsiderness is going to help her survive but i think this movie walks that line in such a way that it works and i'm like with uh what you said about like not really being engaged by her at the beginning but they gave us enough of what we needed to know that when she f would fight back, it was going to be worth it to hang yeah, on for yeah. her to fight back. And I was kind of into that. So and the plainness of it, it was, it was needed, right? Because we didn't, this isn't a, this would not have been a movie to bog down the action in the middle of the story to get some big, like character realization moment or something like that. Right. Everything did need to be really basic, even down to like the way she's dressing. It's like, it is that like extreme version of like a punk kid. Right. Yeah, I got my Ramones shirt. Like, let's, yeah. <laughs> so, like, they, yeah, I, I think that sort of simplicity was very, very much needed here. Um, and then they arrive. So, yeah, we get, we get our setup. She's bad girl. She's got to, <laughs> she's got to go to boarding school, you know. Which, by the way, we never got anything that she did really bad. She skipped school and smoked some cigarettes. It's like it's all like... that was explained to us. <laughs> so I right. her ass, cancel the cable and send her to boarding school is what we did. I have a, a, a movie question for you, Michael. Do you think Christina Hendricks did this movie because she only had to be on set for like maybe two days? <laughs> um, I mean, she was definitely in the movie the least, right? Like she <laughs> she dies 34 minutes in. But this is, this is a pretty standard horror movie move. Uh, you know, it, it's a long standard tradition to get a name actor in a slasher film and kind of dispatch them relatively early. And, you know, they add the prestige to the movie, but then there's also that thing where you're like, oh, Christina Hendricks is a star, so of course she's gonna live. So it's more shocking when she dies. It's 
casting Drew Barrymore in the opening credits of Scream. It's casting known Broadway star Betsy Palmer in how in Friday the 13th. And then surprise, surprise, that cable net sweater has secrets. You know, it's like <laughs> That's it's just like I mean Mrs. Voorhees does not even show up in Friday the Thirteenth until like the final reel of the movie, so I think that it's uh, I'd just like to believe that maybe they're just doing horror smartly and on a budget and got got a good star to to come play, uh, but but yeah for sure like she got to show up to the trailer park, hang out, have a snack, a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. She's also like, you know, that, that, that big name being there, you know, we're obviously going, I cared about her first, you know, right. She was the first one I cared about. Um, and then everybody else kind of had to earn my care. Um, and so I guess bringing her in kind of would do that and be like, okay, well, let me look at your family. Maybe I'll care about your family too. Um, Wait, did you guys know that the son is the, the actual son of Bill Pullman, the actor Bill Pullman? Because I looked he, that up. He looks like it. He looks like hmm. he would be. He does. He looks like the son of our favorite president. <laughs> um, Seriously. I thought the son was handsome. <laughs> I did too. Um, yeah. But I was, I I did, I, I feel like the thing with the knowing the strangers and knowing this like vein of horror I, I knew the parents were going to die. Like, I was just, that was like a, I kind of assumed, I even said to Zach, I was like, hmm, the thing I don't like, I don't know how you feel about this, Michael. I don't love a horror movie where everyone dies because then I feel like, all right, so what? Now what? I, like, I feel like if nothing was achieved, nothing was earned, everyone just died, so what? Um, there are some movies that will, I will enjoy it. But going into the movie, I was kind of like, ugh. And The Strangers, that granted, it's been a while since I saw that first one. I don't remember... Liv Tyler, like, being a really, like, final girl type. Like, I remember her screaming a lot. Um, so I, I kind of thought going into this that we weren't going to get, like, a good... It was just going to be this family getting cut and cut until they're dead, and that would be it, and everyone was screaming. And so for me, it was a nice surprise that, like, okay, the parents do die, which I did expect, but, like, you know, the son gets, like, the best scene in the movie, which is that pool scene, which is so well shot and so well done. Um and the sister does, like you said, Zach, she does fight back. And like, it makes you like her as a final girl. Cause it's like, she was like the bad girl, but like, she's also like the one that's telling her brother, no, shoot the girl because she murdered a bunch of people. What are you doing? Um, and like, she gets stabbed and her brother puts her away, but then she comes back and she's the one that like defeats our villains. Right. Um, and I really liked that because I don't like when it's super bleak and it just stays bleak and everyone dies. Like I like the fighting back. Um, yeah, I don't know. How do you, what do you think about that, Michael? <laughs> well, I think that slasher movies are, there's a reason we return to them, right? This, this formula that in a lot of ways seems simple, but it's, it's why we return to a lot of things that seem simple. There's a comfort in it and there's a structure. Uh, and part of the structure of slasher movies, especially kind of the ones we've ref we've been referencing Halloween, Friday the 13th, and this specifically how it works is there is this kind of fairy tale simplicity of this one person who made it through the night who shows that even in the face of this horrible thing you can survive and that's why i think that there's a particular vein of slasher movies that we continue to to love um and that's why i think maybe going back to the previous conversation we don't like to come back to some of these characters and see them killed for the sake of a sequel because it sort of defeats the investment that we made 
because uh, I think it's real easy to look at the lunch boxes or you know the the t-shirts and see Chucky or, or Freddie and just assume like that's why we're going to the movies. Well, it is because that's they're they're the popcorn, but right. the heart are these girls or like yeah. you know the final boy or the final person, and um, I think that yeah, there's there's a whole different world of of bleak horror movies. You know the, the sequence where she's just like why are you doing this why not i I think people think that's a reference to the first movie but it's actually kind of a callback to the movie funny games because that very specific exchange of dialogue happens in that film oh really yeah that movie is uh is a bleak movie funny games that's a hard one to watch yeah 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 and that movie ends not well for anybody really um (laughs) but that's why it doesn't really feel like a slasher movie i think slasher movies in a way are exactly what you're asking for, that that person who make it out. So we can have that release, we can have that catharsis. So we can sit in a theater or at home and say, okay, terrible, terrible things happen, but maybe I can make it out too, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that, yeah, this movie ended where it needed to, those kids were in the hospital. There was a knock on the door, but it could have just been the nurse with like some Sprite, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. It was some some PTSD for sure. So we get to, like, we get our our family to the trailer park, and it's this abandoned trailer park anyway, because, I mean, it's, their vacation rental's correct, and it's, so it's cleared out for the season, and I guess it's her uncle, right? It's her uncle. And uncle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that owns it, and they they were in the beginning, so you know the strangers show up at their door at the beginning, um, and then we have this this family in this isolated trailer park for the rest of it. Um, whereas the first, and that's your sort of connection to the first one, is that the first one they had this house that was a little bit isolated, um, and I don't know. I thought I just there's so, I I feel like trailer parks aren't used in horror enough. I feel like they're such. A, even especially trailers that are like much closer together. So like your standard trailer park, if you've ever walked through one of those at night, it is insanely creepy. Like there, because, because you're walking by corners every, every few seconds, right? Every few feet. Um, and I think this was just such a great setting for a movie like this really to really give these three, you know, maniacs like a playground. Right. Um, right. And they, they go into it almost immediately. They're not, you know, here to just play with the the characters like they did in the first one, you know, knocking on windows and, like, just banging on stuff and playing, like, a record player over and over. Like, they go into into the stabby stabs. All, they want know, to do the kill. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, like, so. I feel like if they could have murdered them that first time they encountered each of them, they would that would have been... That would have been what they wanted to happen, right? Like they get to murder each of the characters the first time they like oh, encounter them. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably took a while to get out there. They probably had things to do. Like, I mean, come <laughs> on, you know. <laughs> very much, very much. Because um, so. and another thing that and Michael or Zach, I feel like you two could probably speak on this better than I could. A thing that I kept noticing the movie did really well, which, if I recall, is used in Rosemary's Baby a lot, is they would do the like slow like dread pan mm-hmm. that Ari Aster uses a lot. But also sometimes it would switch it up and like when the son is in the office, right? And he's like looking around, there's like a slow pan that just goes really fast up to him. So it almost feels like someone running towards him. Is that like a thing? Is that like... It's in a lot of older horror movies, right? Yeah. That's that's like, I mean, that's what The Conjuring did when they were like, you know, wanting to pay homage to like all of those older horror movies. They did a lot of that. Did Michael, did it look like to you it was more of a Zoom done in post or like... uh, a dolly in, you know, I don't know what the term would be. Uh, 
I, I it could have been a little bit of both because yeah. you you can't fake a dolly track. I mean, to be you know, it looks real real sloppy if you do. So, but they could have sped it. They could have shot it and then sped it up. Okay. Um, no, I think this movie, as you said, if he was trying to shoot uh, or affect a, a John Carpenter kind of style, they did that. Like this movie was shot like a 1980s horror movie. There were yeah. a lot, like there were a lot of um, deliberate choices with camera placement and movement. The kind of just like the slow cross, but then the whips when they, yeah. they needed to do that. Um, no, who, uh, this movie was was very plotted out, visually speaking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like. So. Even like from the moment that girl knocks on the door, I mean, you know who you know it's one of them. But like, I feel like they did a good job with the tension, um, and the tension. Once the tension kind of falls flat, of like, oh, these people are just being murdered. We know our killers already. There's no new characters. They do a good job of like the you know. Then we get the pool scene. Then we get the car chase, and like, I don't know. I just there was like a minute where I was almost like. Mm, is this movie dragging? But then it picked up like almost immediately, um, which I think is like a, you know, horror can sometimes fall flat. What Right. Sometimes it's like, all right, everyone's dying. I get it. Like sometimes well, there's it's like sort of difference between this one and the first one, right? It's like the first one, we only had two characters. So right. we had to see them through to the end. Right. Um, in this one, you have more characters to kind of start picking off. And when you start doing that, just like you said, it can turn into oh well now we're just setting up a kill here's the kill setting up a kill here's the kill so you have to keep them invested and i, I think this one did it you know um christina hendricks died first right yeah so yeah. that was hard to watch and her looking into the eyes of her daughter as her daughter's like watching her you know it's it hard um i me and ian were both like those two girls could have kicked the shit out of this this doll face <laughs> they could yeah. have done it <laughs> there was plenty of opportunity to so i'm sorry christina hendrix but you could I, have i think i i quoted yeah i i wrote down your quote was like do what you fight back is what you said Zach. <laughs> i know kenzie got kicked out of school for something fuck a bitch up do it and i do think about that a lot but also like if you're fucking terrified and someone has a knife i can see not thinking of fighting back more than you go get away um but like I, I feel like if we if like I was trapped in the bathroom with one of you, one of us would be like, "All right, what can we use as a weapon? Like, let's take down the uh, like." Yeah, like don't let a girl with stringy hair take you down. I'm just yeah. gonna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, hair. but then like you know, it's you just don't know what you're gonna do in a situation like that. I used to I remember in, in school whenever we'd have like shooter drills or anything, I would always think, well, if a shooter ever came in here, you know, people just tackle them, just like do something, you know. Um, but then that doesn't happen in real life because no. it's fucking terrifying, you know? Right. Um, so give, I, we'll give the characters a little bit of leeway here, even though <laughs> it's a family of four. They could have just put their knuckle gloves on and gone for it. Um, I do also, like, I appreciated that they were still... I, I think when it's a family, it almost, like, ups, it like, I mean, duh. But, like, it ups the stakes immediately more because it's, like, like no one wants to watch their parent be stabbed to death in a tiny trailer bathroom, right? Like, sure. Um, even if it's like your mom that's sending you to boarding school who like you don't have a good relationship with. Um, and I, I, I think that that does a good job in this movie, That, but they didn't try to push it too much, which I liked. There wasn't like, you know, Kinsey could have been just sobbing the rest of the movie, but like she has her moment with her brother when they do like get back together and she understandably is like, you know, I was mean to mom last time we talked, fuck, like blah, blah, blah. But then we get it together, right? Because it's either you get it together or you're going to die. 
Um, and I appreciated that they could have made Kinsey just this crying mess. They could have made the brother this crying mess, but like they both were like, we got to do, we got to do the thing, right? Like we got to like, keep, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Like that's right. what it felt like. It felt like they were thinking that at all times. Um, I always, I always get stopped by a, a separated by death moment in, in these movies, you know? So like here, when she's watching her mom be stabbed, like that's her final like view of her mom. That's the last time she's going to see her. And when she leaves, she knows it's done. You make a good point. That is a, like, it is a good final, like, I think also because Christina Hendricks is clearly like a seasoned actor. Um, right. So like she can deliver this, like through a skylight, looking up at her daughter, getting stabbed to death, like, delivery of like fuck i'm dying i'm sorry to my daughter and i it was good um yeah michael well i think also uh when you have one a family adds as, as ian pointed out such an emotional layer that you don't get from just a bunch of horny teenagers at camp right uh even though any loss is a loss right. but uh <laughs> there is also something to be said about fewer people because then the emotional stakes are higher. Like we've all seen slasher movies where they just like it's body count and they're just running through the numbers. Right. But here, not only is it a family that like, if they don't survive, they don't have a family left, which in a, it like is already sort of like an emotionally devastating thought to consider. Um, but you feel that loss every time something new happens. Like when the dad's in the car, and the the man in the burlap sack mask. I, I forget what we call him. Like the you know, I forget too. Baghead Steve. Uh, <laughs> that is not only a terrifying kill moment because the killer's sitting right next to him, but you also know like okay, this family's about to lose their dad too. Yeah. And a lot of slasher movies don't ask you to consider that because they want you to be there for like the adrenaline of it. They're not like oh, think about the fact that this family just lost both of their parents. But this movie's just kind of like, okay, well, you're here and you're about to watch it happen. So hope you're Think done with your snow caps, you know, or like whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually, I will say that the the scene of Baby Doll, like in their trailer, I thought was also really, I mean, it's a quick scene, but I think it's also really well done that they find the phone smashed. You know, I mean, forgot to mention, they do find the aunt and uncle grossly like mutilated in their bed. Um but so she she sees the phones are smashed. The mom's trying to like call on one of them. It's like kind of working. And she turns around and sees baby doll. And I, I because it's like a closed, very like closed space, like small space. I think it makes it more like, oh, she could stab them real quick. Um, right. And like Christina Hendricks, again, she's like a seasoned actor. Like the way she does the mom thing of she immediately walks up to her daughter, pulls her I, behind I, her. I noticed that. Yeah. So she's in front of her daughter to protect her. I thought was like a really good detail of like, yeah, that makes sense. A mom would do that. You know what I mean? It's very um, much a Rachel Carruthers in Halloween Four tying like a, a, a cord around you know Jamie Lloyd to lower her down, even though she knows she's probably going to get stabbed here in a second, right? Right. Um, it's I I I'm, I'm all for moments like that. That really did stick out. Yeah, and so like they do the thrilling like th the movie does that well, right? Like it does that well of like the thrilling like oh shit. And you kind of know one of them's gonna, like, you kind of know, I mean, I knew the mom was gonna die. I was just like, oh, this is where she's gonna die. Um, and I don't know, they still, like, you still have the tension, even though, like, even when the son is in the pool and you kind of know he's gonna get stabbed, 
it's still like thrilling, right? Um, which says a lot because, you know, I mean, Zach and I just recorded for the Friday the 13th reboot. And every time someone walked off, it was like, well, they're going to die. And it was never really, some of the deaths were cool, but it wasn't like, oh shit. It was just like, you're waiting for the, the stab moment, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think there's like a credit to this movie that it does it. It does the chill moments, but you're still like, ooh, like shit. Well, it wasn't hinging on body count, right? It was hinging right. on like the panic and the anxiety of these characters trying to make it out of the situation. No, and I do think that the curation of uh, of dread and anxiety in this movie was really well done. It's done in a very different way than the original Strangers, because as you said, it's the two of them and sort of like we're stuck with them kind of in that house and the anxiety of what that entails and then this movie in a very different way like and i have to give credit to it's barely madison right the girl yeah. who played kinsey she can give a terrified look like yeah. like that moment you mentioned ian where she turns around and sees dollface in the uh in the, the the trailer after the phones have been discovered her like just silent whimpering is a masterclass in how to react of like horror. Like it was so good, so good. But I mean, it's that this this whole movie, you kind of feel their anxiety as well as their loss, which yeah. is interesting because it is a much glossier, much more colorful neon version of the movie that it, it succeeds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have mom dead, dad dead, right? And we're going along and then it's, so I want to talk about the dad's death because I actually okay. do yeah. like that because it's he's impaled and I was kind of like, oh, that's a shitty death. But like, he's yeah. not dead. And then we he's learn just stuck is, is what they did to him. They right. stuck yeah. him. So it's that... like he is stabbed, but he's not like dead. But he just like, yeah, he can't move the fucking thing. Um, oh, he's stuck and he's stuck. That's like a that's a <laughs> that's some good. That's some good wordplay right there. <laughs> yeah. But so I thought it was like, you know, this is where Zach was like, see, look, it looks like they're doing it like they're new to the killing because I, the, the dude that's like baghead dude is kind of like examining the screwdriver, looking at the dad, slowly stabbing the dad up the chin, which is the second movie that we've discussed today that has a scene where someone gets stabbed like this, Zach. Um, and I thought that was like, well done. Cause the dad isn't like being tough guy. He's just like, fuck, fuck. Like, yeah. and then he's dead. Can we talk about, since this scene features it prominently and then it happens a few more times later, how the baghead masked man, whatever his name is, uh, I love that the character choice, because he never speaks in the entire movie, but he loves 80s music. Um, <laughs> he does. I mean, and when you say that as a sentence, it sounds ridiculous. Like if you're just <laughs> if you're just watching this and haven't seen this movie, you're like, okay, well, this is absurd. But it's great, like him sitting in the car with the dad as the dad is stuck there and he's like got his little ice pick. And, you know, he turns on the radio and he's looking for the right song. And then later when we see him driving in the truck listening to the song, I'm like, who's this guy <laughs> that's into like some 80s new wave while he's on a kill spree? Like yeah, He's working. He works at a CD store. One of the yeah. old CD stores that are still around. Ugh. I'm like, that's his he's... name. It's Sam Goody. That's who that is. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, he's tall and likes 80s music. I can change him. <laughs> what do you look like under that mask, huh? Um, <laughs> Zach's like, yeah. Ian, you're dating a murderer. I'm like, no, he's so I nice. See you, you would fall into dating a murderer, <laughs> Miss, Mr. Sidney Campbell. 
Um, yeah, um, no, it, it did. This is like I, I, I really do like think these are copycat killers. I, I, I think the director said that they're not supposed to be, but they fucking are. Because this, he, he was that was, that was he was way too into that kill. And if he had been the same guy, um, it's the first one. I feel like that guy had probably had a couple kills under his belt. This one, he was looking into the eyes. He wanted to see the life leave the eyes. He was like looking at the knife, and like they didn't do that in the first one. They weren't. That wasn't their whole thing. Um, so I don't know. So the son runs off, or the the daughter. He finds the daughter, the the sister Kinsey. It's Luke and Kinsey, right? That's right. I think their names. So Luke, what is it? He oh Kinsey is being chased by Baby Doll. She's in that like trailer that she gets into, and she does stab her. Um, and Luke runs in and saves her. He has the gun. He doesn't shoot her, even though Kinsey's like, shoot her, please. Um, and so I like, I, I kind of like that they only have like a moment of like, then they hide out in this other trailer, right? And they're kind of like, I was mean to mom. And he's like, it's okay, we're gonna get out of this. And I I think them surviving made me like this way more. Cause I kept being like, Ugh, they're just gonna die. Like, why are yeah. we? So I liked that it was like, all right, cool. This brother and sister that don't really like each other that much are like, we gotta survive together, let's. Okay, and them hiding in that trailer, can we just talk about this moment? Because I love an unhinged moment in a movie. And when they're like, they're like, I'm so sorry. When the truck comes tearing through. (laughs) Which makes zero sense. They are few feet up off the ground. How did the truck get into the living room? But that's the exact, like, I I understand. (laughs) And I like even, that's why I said it's an unhinged moment. Because when that truck comes blowing through the trailer, I'm just like, okay, logically, physics wise i know (laughs) this shouldn't work but like i don't know if he's got like jetsons jets on this truck or whatever (laughs) but uh i forgot that happened so when i was watching it last night i was just like yeah (laughs) so it's just like that's so crazy it's good and it's also like the filmmakers thinking well if the audience is gonna start you know losing it here or get a little yawn here then you know we're gonna Jolt, jolt the energy back up. I'm telling you, that was me. I was like, eh, and then it was like, whoop, we're back in. Like, right. yeah. and there cars of the trailer, like, I'm back. <laughs> it didn't even lead into any sort of like huge climactic like battle or anything. Like they came through, they got out the window or wherever they got out and then kept it moving, right? And then we were on to the next part. Um, but it so. shows that killer, <laughs> that, that killer is kind of a shitty driver. And I say that yeah. in that most of this movie happens on open fields and open roads and he chases them multiple times while they are on injured feet (laughs) while he's driving a truck and they still somehow get away every time and a lot of times all he had to do was press the gas to kill them um i mean i mean i realized he was probably toying with them because that's like the whole conceit of what's happening but um yeah i was just like by the third or fourth truck chase i'm just like dude you could just run her over like that the other girls are like, why didn't you just press the gas and kill the teens? <laughs> right. Like we could be at Denny's right now. But could no, have been yeah. done. Yeah. But <laughs> Sue's <laughs> dead. Like <laughs> so, and then he puts her he puts her under the next trailer, right? He puts her yeah. under the next trailer, goes into the, the manager's office or whatever the store was with the pool. And um the whole thing works for me from yeah. him getting into there and hearing the noises and you know, things start going off. Which, again, like you said, Zach, that's where they do go into more, like, slasher, slasher, not real. Because how right. are they fucking turning all this shit on? How are they making all these noises? 
but it's fine. Well, also, how much money did this like campground spend on neon lights? That's not cheap. Oh, yeah. There's like <laughs> so many neon palm trees that I'm just like, I don't Especially know what... when there's nobody else here after season. You know how are we keeping that going? Exactly. I, I don't I... know what gay campground this is, but I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> I do wish I know you both have called it very colorful. I the trailer was a little misleading about how like 80s and i i was expecting like stranger things horror movie is what i was expecting yeah. right um and it's it's mostly just outside and like a camp until yeah. there's that scene uh, right. but i think we saw that scene so much that i expected there to be a lot of neon a lot of like i expected tiffany i think Sydney, i think we're alone now um and i know that that's not the movie's fault the trailers sometimes just do that especially with horror i feel like um but like i don't know like the moment he's in that office and he starts hearing things, I like definitely jumped when he like sees the guy, but then turns around and sees the girl. Um, yeah. Like that made me jump. Um, and then he like goes out to the pool and she comes running, but he thankfully hits her with she the golf. She did club. not shit this entire fucking movie. She didn't do anything. Her big <laughs> moment in that first one was Liv Tyler. You remember Liv Tyler crawling out to the barn and she's following behind her? Like, that was good. That was good. She didn't do shit in this one. She just gets the club to the face. Well, I read it's because they switched the actress while they were in the middle of making this movie due to oh, some really? sort of, like, stunt issue. And because COVID, of that... Positive yeah. COVID test. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they lost days, and so they just couldn't include mm. that particular character more. So it is like, you know, the golf club hit is great, but you're right. When you think about it, she really wasn't there a lot. It was good, though. Like, I think that one part where she goes running at him, because, like, any time a killer is running at you, yeah. like, it's like it, may, it, like, elevates the scene immediately for me. When we watched Fire the 13th and he's running in this one, it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and he clubs her. Um, she gets up and she, like, tries to, like, claw at him i guess and he like just stabs the shit out of her um baghead comes through i was very happy he stabbed dragon. her though because i was like yes uh is he gonna just like leave her there and knock her out it's like no he's you a, need to fucking a, kill him do it right yeah do it. Do it. <laughs> so i i thought and i liked the visual of you're waiting for baghead to come you're waiting because yeah. like the palm right. trees are all lit up there's a lot of space behind him um as he's doing the stabbing and i like the way it's like you just see his face getting splattered with blood um and he goes to like, is it he goes to lift up her mask and then he sees Baghead, I think, is like. Right. Um, and this fight is also really good. Like, I really. And uh, it's heavy hitting. It's swift. Like, he's swinging that axe really hard um, at this guy. Um, and then they they both go into the pool and let, there's like that whole struggle. I loved every time the camera would go down, you would hear it. It would sound like we were underwater, you know. Uh, and you just hear you would, faintly that total yeah you would hear total clips of the heart like faintly but then it would get louder when yeah. they're above water i thought that was so well done yeah. yeah i thought that was great i love this whole sequence like that to me is a short film i could just like watch the pool yeah. uh and i think it's well put in and even just like you know how you're right they fluctuate the sound the sound design is really really great and when he's left to die in the pool and there's that big kind of billowing blood in the water and then he dips in and comes back up and she, you see her pulling him out in yeah. in a very smart edit because you never actually see the cut it happens somewhere it, with, with the boop -a -doo boop right yeah. yeah um it's uh it's great i think it's it's a, an entirely wonderful scene that's like the set piece of the movie which oh yeah yeah i mean you can't you can't deny that's 
if you're going to do one, that's the one to do. Yeah, when he's running, like when he loses the knife, and I like that he immediately realizes I have to turn because this guy's going to reach down, grab the knife. He does. But I also really liked that he didn't, it wasn't a long chase. It was like two, three, maybe four steps yeah. before he right. gets stabbed. And then when he's laying in the water and you're seeing that pool of blood just kind of go around him, like he's in the water a long time. We, we, we're we in that water with him a long time. I thought he was going to drown, you know? Yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen. I, I definitely thought that. I was like, yeah. oh, he's dying. I even, I would have been bummed if he died, but I was like, fuck, this is a really good scene because like the killer assumes he's, de- understandably assumes he's dead and just like, trots off and is like i'm good i killed this guy um um also let's just talk about how terrible it would be to be wearing like a burlap sack on your face and it now is drenched in water like that can't like i was actually thinking just for the sake of the actor because you you know i I do this for a living and sometimes i think about the things we ask actors to do to make a scene scarier to sell a horror movie and i'm just like oh my god this poor guy had to wear a burlap bag over his head and is now like underwater there's a lot of underwater scenes that can't be visibly like he, the visibility had to be non-existent but also that just had to be uncomfortable burlap yeah. sucks anyway <laughs> let alone like, you know. he, he he went off camera he left the pool he shook it out you know <laughs> a whole um, scene and, with it. and i i mean i'm glad the sister saved the brother i did like the turn of like oh he saved her he left her she saves him and she leaves, like she hides him away. It was still weird. Did she hide him though? Because it was weird where she just left him considering the bad guy was still in that area. Right. And she just kind of left. It looked like a couch. Like she left him on a chair or something. I thought it was like by, I thought it was a trash bag is what I thought. I thought it was like by the trash that we're like, Maybe. where you would I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Then. Well, it's a, it, left him. It's a suspension of disbelief moment, too, because if you look at how much blood is in that pool, I'm just like, yeah, (laughs) well, I mean, it's sort of like a recent Netflix horror film, which I love, but I, I, you know, I just don't know that CPR. I'm going to I'm going to yell at you. Wait, continue what you say. Sorry. I just don't think I I don't think that you can do CPR for knife wounds. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, but in the third movie, I've seen people on Twitter talking about that in the third movie, they explain we're talking about Fear Street, everyone. In the yeah. third movie, they explained that the guy has good luck and he had a crush on her. So that's the only reason it worked. Like it wouldn't have worked if he didn't have the like blessing of the witch's curse. It only worked because that was a girl he had a crush on. So he did want her to live. Great. I, and I agree. Like, agree with that. <laughs> but but uh, our boy, Louis, uh, what's his, what was his name? Louis? Louis Peitzman. Oh, yeah. No, it, not Lewis Peitzman. Oh, I was like, like, yeah, he hated yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And our, our dear Twitter friend, Lewis Peitzman. No, <laughs> I, uh, I, the boy in The Strangers, what's the character's name? Luke. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Luke didn't have a witch looking right. out for him. He, <laughs> he bled a whole kitty's pool worth of blood into this pool. So I'm just kind of wondering how he's doing. <laughs> he's okay. He's okay. He's, he lived. Um, he's fine. So she puts him away and then she goes out and she's like, Honda, like, I, She's going around, but she's making a hell of a lot of noise for somebody who's trying to be sneaky. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but if I was stabbed and my family was murdered, maybe I'd be making a lot of noise. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, and then that cop shows up, and this was the second movie we saw today where the cop was in it for not even a total of thirty seconds before he met, he, he bit the dust. I mean, um, it's a good it's a good standard horror movie rule though, because like now a days people yes. ask you know like why 
don't they call the police or why don't they use the and like the unfortunate burden of writing horror cinema in a post iPhone world is you either have, you always have to explain the phones away, which luckily they do. This movie not only explained the phones away, uh, although I don't believe a teenager would ever leave their phone inside a trailer. Zach and I both said that. Yeah. Um, I would be fine. I'm not leaving my phone on a countertop. (laughs) Um, But like the thing is, is you have to figure out a way to explain the phone away and you have to usually explain away the cops. And this movie could have gotten away with it because they're so remote that the police maybe never would have shown up. But like, I've had conversations where someone was like, well, how do you deal with that? I'm like, well, you don't need to deal with the phone issue. You just have people call the police, have the police show up and then kill them. And that like, yeah. and that's, and this movie not only did it, they were just like, okay, here they are next. <laughs> let's go. What, and that's what yeah. happens with the slasher, right? Is the cops can't save you. That's not right. the thing that happens unless you're Sheriff Bracky. Sheriff Bracky don't even save you, right? No, he, he don't even save you. So when she needed a shotgun is why we had the cop here. She needed a shotgun. She got the shotgun. She she shot baby face, baby doll I, face. I gotta say also, that was, was satisfying. Yes, oh, yes, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. very satisfying kill. I I don't know that Axe Dude had as much of a satisfying ending, but baby doll getting blown with the shotgun, and I I actually did really like the scene of like she lifts up her mask and she sees she's just like you know this is regular blonde chick, and she's like and the girl's like bleeding out. She's clearly about to die anyway, and like blood's coming out of her mouth. She's like, why are you doing this? And she's like kind of laughing like why not um and then she fucking blows her head off which again like... a whole different killer than the first <laughs> one the first one baby doll face whatever her name is she was she was shy she's a shy girl you know she wasn't like that she wasn't that out there she wouldn't have said she all she said was because you were home right but she's not laughing <laughs> why not <laughs> you know um but it was very very satisfying i, I did very much enjoy the getting her head blown off um, yeah, and it's like, I was glad she got to kill the one that she knew had murdered her mom, like specifically the one she watched kill her mom. It feels like that's like a nice, good, yes, please, that be the one that you get to blow up. And she did eventually get to shoot her because she wanted to shoot her earlier, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, oh, she did. There you go. Connections. Yeah. Um, and then Baghead Face comes back out and it's truck. It's truck. It's got, it's got a strong truck. Real strong truck. Yeah. Um, built tough. <laughs> for, built tough. I've got that. Every, I see it. Every time I turn my truck on, it says on the screen, built tough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And he comes out. He like is ramming into her in the car, cop car. And uh, uh, he gets stuck, right? He gets stuck and there's gas leaking and she takes their lighter because she's a smoker. She's a bad girl going to boarding school because she's smoking. Um, <laughs> this this whole movie, by the way, happened to her because she's a bad girl. Let's let right. everybody realize that. Um, and she throws the lighter in, catches him on fire, and she takes takes off down, walking down the, the road, but he follows her. and Like this, Christine, this car, yeah. like on fire, driving mm-hmm. down the highway. <laughs> it looks so good. It looks uh, just like great. Oh, it's so that to me, you want to talk about lighting setup, like next to the pool, this burning car coming up out at her, like down this like sleepy hollow, like bridge. That's just like great, great uh, visuals. And then, you know, the oh, the Texas Chainsaw Escape, that that whole moment. Uh, And you know what? I, I, I don't like when there's too much of that in there and it's too on the nose. I hate stuff like that. But this worked so good because you you think about what she'd been through, just like what Sally had gone through in that. And right. it's like they're probably, you know, stayed up all night on caffeine and a little bit of Adderall shakes, you know, that type of shakes. So she's, right. she's got that delirium going. And 
that it's just like the perfect perfect moment for her um well, also great yeah. work by that woman who played the mom who got out of the car because like the just, look oh, no, right back oh, no. the, the look on her face when she sees the guy with the the axe behind her, she's like, nope. And I I just think that like if you're gonna wholesale pull off the final scene of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and drop it in the end of Strangers Pray at Night, you gotta just lean into it and like this character this you know character actress who they hired from probably probably a local hire she just like got off a god spell and is walking right into this movie and um her, her fucking reaction and then uh, it's great i love this moment i think it's it's wonderful also the fact that uh she gets to use the baseball bat because the earlier bat swing was great yeah, yeah and earlier mm -hmm. yeah earlier she was talking about how she was never allowed to play little league because she wasn't very good with the bat and she used it. See, you caught it. I would never have caught it. I completely forgot about that. And that's strange. She got a real good hit in, too. It, it yeah. hit him. Whooshed his fucking head. Yes. Um, I do. I, I was like, tell them to back up. Run them over. Like, that's what I was thinking. She's um, okay. Okay, Ian. You're going to knock on the window. And I know. That mom's not turning back. To back uh, but up, I, please. I do like what you said, Michael, though, because, right, that is, like, also realistic that if a mother with her child in the car sees this killer, she's not going to be like, what's going on, guys? Which, like, happens often in movies. She would just right. be like, well, time to get in my car and leave. Yeah. Well, you do you. <laughs> yeah. And then they end up in the hospital. And as I said last night, as the credits started to roll to myself, drinking my glass of wine, I was like, huh guess she's not going to boarding school now oh no she's not she's got she's got the, she's got the cable money she's got she's got all of it everything and worked the, out in her favor isn't that the fucking kicker though they're gonna go home and they don't even have cable they no, don't no, even have no cable, cable. Mm -mm. that they probably get like a settlement where they can afford cable after that. They'll yes. probably, you know, get cable. a settlement. Well, because remember, yeah. oh, well, remember, remember, <laughs> the parents are dead now. They've got whatever, whatever assets the parents had. Also, her aunt and uncle are dead. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they are beneficiaries to that. That should go to them. Sell like, the camp. Open it up to like a like like a, a macabre museum. You know, so I got stabbed in that pool. <laughs> yeah, they're they're good they'll be fun i don't I know about so. these hospital bills though mm, you know hope they have health insurance <laughs> michael what was your favorite kill in the movie uh, my favorite kill in the movie i honestly i love when the sun stabs dollface i think it's great like because you see that crazed desperation like it's just sort of like i also love a moment uh, when our hero turns it around on the killer, like because yeah. a, sla a slasher is supposed to slash. That's the whole point of a, a, you know one of these movies. That there's something delicious about the victim turning it around. This is yeah. this is Laurie Strode in Halloween H2O, go turning around and walking back into that school and being like, nope, here we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and like and him just picking up that knife and like, not tonight, bitch. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> What's your favorite kill, Zach? Uh, Backhead, when she hits him that one last time. You know, but, like, even if he died when he just fell down, right, coming out of the burning truck, I'd been happy with that, too. I, I would, too, just yeah. the visual of her gone through hell, the way she looked, confronted with, like, this burned-up backhead, I think that's just great visuals right there. I mean, but mine is... Mine is her shotgunning baby doll out of that. That's a good one. Of yeah. course, of course, got to use that shotgun. Do you know how to use a shotgun, Ian? 
you what do you think you think i know how to use a shotgun you could, yeah, it's super simple i'll, I'll you're we got to figure that out because if we ended up in in a situation like this you might have I to mean, do it if the way she did it is how you do it then yes i could do it because i would be like this is what they do on tv shows and movies they put the thing and then they press the button my guess is she didn't know how to use a shotgun either and she just did what she saw in the movies and it's pretty much like that although that shotgun had no kickback which I know it got her in the lip or something. <laughs> yeah, when she was laying back in the car, I'm like, that would have like yeah. broke her nose. But <laughs> it ain't yeah. hurt. I'll take but, a broken nose to be able to like shotgun a killer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was. I, I think it was a good movie. I would honestly be fine seeing another one. I do love sequels. I don't mind if they're stupid. We can always write them off in our hand, head cannon. Um, well, and it's it's wild, right, Michael? Isn't it weird that this one didn't really do that well, right? Um, it was like kind of fairly moderate. You know, it made I, its pe- money. It was like thirty-five million, right? Oh, it right. Did. The people who saw it, I know, liked it. But you're right; it was just kind of one of those that I don't think it got the fanfare that the original did. But that's yeah. that's horror sequels, you know. That's true. I feel like yeah. unless you're like Halloween or Scream or whatever, like you kind of everybody at my school was talking about that original. I remember going to Walmart and they had the DVD packaged up with like a T-shirt for it. You know, like right. They, they pushed it. Wait, now I have to look up what the killers are actually called because I know doll I face. Know, it's gonna it, do, do, baby doll head is like getting on my nerves. <laughs> baby <laughs> yeah. doll head. Well, and I I have, was calling him Baghead because in Friday Two when he's got the burlap sack, he's called Baghead Jason. We all um, jumped off you, so if we're wrong, it's Michael's fault. Well, yeah. I, I it is wrong because I know that's not what he's called because they're obviously yeah. not going to name him after Jason Voorhees. But uh, got pinup girl. Man oh, he's in the just mask. man in mask. <laughs> v simple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Doll face and pinup, huh? Yeah. Huh. And I, you know what? Uh, yeah. And again, I'm just very glad that they didn't bring Liv Tyler back for that beginning, because like, what? Mm-hmm. What? What true story? Because at the beginning it said based on true events. What true events do you think they were going for in this one? Because obviously the original was like what the strange or not the strangers. Uh, the original was going for you know Manson. It was going for. Um, there were a lot of rumors that it was it was based on like the Keddy Cabin murders, but I don't think it was as much. Um, but what about I, this one? I read an interview that said that it was inspired by events that happened to the director, and I'm like, I have questions. In his neighborhood, right? His In his neighborhood, neighborhood was yeah, getting yeah. like broken into, correct? Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the thing is, is like based on a true story is is an abused. Yeah, an abuse thing. I wrote a movie once that was a lifetime thriller that they put that in front of and they didn't tell me it wasn't. Ba- I made it up like it was like it was not based on a true story at all. Uh, so imagine me sitting at home with like, you know, uh, my friends about to watch it for the first time. And the first screen is like based on a true story. And someone's like, I'm going to ask you about this. I'm like, I'm not going to have anything to say because it's not true. I didn't even know that was in the movie until this moment right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was what I, I read. It, like, I actually looked it up because I saw that it said based on true story, and it said that it like the director happened in his home. Although I, I again, like you, I mean, I feel like most horror movies that say based on a true story, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everything just is like, oh, it's Ed Gein. I feel like that's a lot of like yeah. the work they do with that. Yeah, even yeah. better is when people say inspired by a true story because that could be anything. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, it goes down, it goes all the way down. It could be a true story, maybe. 
Yeah. Maybe. Question mark. I, yeah, like the mist. I if like if I wrote the mist, I'd be like inspired by a true story. And people are like, how? And I'm like, well, I was at a grocery store once. <laughs> it, was, it was foggy outside. It is yeah. always cool when you see that though. I still get a little intrigued that like you know, what what was the true crime thing maybe that could have happened in this? Uh, because Scream, I never knew that Scream was based on true stuff. Like that he was inspired by Yeah. That was um the Gainesville Ripper in Florida was going around killing like college kids um it's some really like dark fucked up shit and i never knew that until this last year um so i don't know they could have slapped ba- they could have slapped based on a true story on that one too but i mean like i don't know so it's like someone killed someone so that therefore this movie is based on like i it's still very like <laughs> like stephen king often says he bases his stuff on like true but usually it's just like people were murdered i don't know right. uh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on this episode with us. We really appreciate it. And now is your time to shine. What do you got to promote? Who you are, where you've been, what you're doing? Uh, well, listeners can keep me. Well, this is viewers too, right? Because this is a video. Yep. Uh, listeners and viewers can find me weekly right now. I've teamed up with cult superstar and drag icon Peaches Christ. We're doing a show called Midnight Mass, uh, which is a weekly podcast all about cult movies where we're doing a lot of episodes with uh, cult figures and talking about just sort of how these phenomenon affect pop culture. Uh, I also have a new short film out that is playing Outfest currently and is going to be at uh, some festival soon. It's called What's Left Inside. It's a queer horror story about a guy who is stuck inside, maybe not as alone as he thinks. And um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm heading off to make a feature here soon, and I'll have more to say about that later. Nice. Yes. And Michael Verratti is one of the busiest motherfuckers I know. <laughs> he seems like it. He seems like it. Where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Michael Verratti. It's just my name. If you want to keep up with Midnight Mass, it's at Midnight Mass Pod and wherever podcasts are found. There you go. What about you, Ian? What about what about all your stuffs? Uh, you can find my bloody Judy in the Slayerfest '98 podcast feed, uh, and you can find Slayerfest '98 at Slayerfest X '98 on all social media platforms, and you can subscribe to our Patreon and where you can see me and Zach talk about sex stuff on my nudie Judy. Um, and you can find me on social at ENX Carlos. Zach, where can everyone find the video for My Bloody Judy and find you? I mean, you're probably already watching it right now, right? You say you should be on my YouTube channel. Right? <laughs> Excuse, don't assume they're not <laughs> yeah. listening to it on Slayerfest. <laughs> YouTube.com slash AZB bonus features. Uh, yeah, and I think right after this one, we'll be covering Halloween's leading up to Halloween Kills. Super stoked about that. So thank you guys so much for checking in. On the end of our summer camp that you didn't know was happening, but it's happening. It uh, happened. <laughs> it happened. It's done. <laughs> and have a great, have a great rest of your week. Bye.